0: Hi folks, welcome to the TPM podcast with your host, Mario Girard. This is part two of three with, of the interview with Dan and Jay, where we talk about product management. So keep listening in. So what do you think are the core fundamental skills a product manager should have?
1: Yeah, um, as as we talked about uh, Mario, a product manager has to wear several different hats, both inbound and outbound. Um you know, making sure that they not only talk to customers can also talk to field, can talk to sales, can talk to, uh,
0: I, I want to ask you, I think a lot of people probably don't know this. Uh, what's the difference between inbound product manager and outbound oh, product manager? Oh, good point. <laughs> I, I know it, but I think it's, it's very specific, right? Yeah. Especially Something that's used in the enterprise space. Yeah.
1: Something in the enterprise space. So, so, yes, uh have been in a couple of organizations <laughs> where that, this was used. So it is uh, inbound being product managers, and it's not strictly, I, I, I'm not professing that's the right way to do yeah, it, yeah. but inbound are typically product managers who are more focused on working with the engineering teams and internally yes. within the organization to coordinate both the product launch as well as the readiness of the product, but also creating the product. Whereas outbound are the Product managers who are working more with the customers, and this is more true, like you said, in larger organizations and, and the enterprise space. The, I believe. In the enterprise space, where the product manager role uh, may be a little more expansive for one person or one function yeah, yeah, yeah. functional team to do it.
0: And so, in this case, do you have? If supposing you have a product X, <coughs> uh, do you have a, a counterpart? If you are the inbound PM, then you have an outbound PM counterpart.
1: I, in, in my opinion, the way it should be structured is focused on a key deliverable and function that they have to do. Okay. Not to say that, you know, Mario is the outbound and I'm the inbound for it. Okay. Uh, inbound should be more um, scoped based on, let's say, a key feature, key pillar, key okay. theme that is going to get delivered okay. from the product. Outbound. Maybe focused more on how the customers or the market is positioned. So there might be a vertical, let's say okay. we are building a product which is generally making, and I'm coming from my background, whereas we want to make cloud approachable infrastructure as a service for okay. all kinds of customers in the enterprise. But there might be a vertical in government or federal,
0: which oh, has specific
1: yeah. requirements. I so see. having a product manager that's outbound who understands how it works with federal, how their buying cycles work, how the customers are, they have their own unique requirements and can drive those requirements across several inbound product managers. So that's how I view it. Okay, uh, is Outbound should be more focused on the target market, segment, customer. Inbound, if you make that distinction, yeah. should be more focused on key feature, pillar, technology, that we are trying to deliver. Got it. Got it. Uh, but not strictly so. Uh, it's still a matrixed organization. So, uh, so good point. You asked me to elaborate on inbound versus outbound. Like, like, but it also brought up an interesting point, which is product manager role is not set in stone.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: As opposed to say software engineer or, or. Uh, other roles that may have a yeah. specific, yeah,
0: you know, the last couple of months actually. Uh, the more I think about the TPM role, the more I think about the product manager role. I think about them as more as job duties, uh, and I think they're fairly. Uh, you can move either way. You can go to a product manager. You can do a, a TPM type of role, uh, but it really is a is a spectrum. Right, you can actually move on either side. You can be a product yeah. manager at one point. You can be a, a program manager at one point. Yeah. But it's it's a it's a set of duties, and the organization or the team might need certain skills at certain points in time. Exactly. Right. So. And yeah. in a
1: smaller organization that I've been at, you know, yeah. in a startup, I didn't have the pleasure of having luxury. TPM. So yeah. luxury to have having yeah. TPMs on my team. So I was doing both roles. So you're yeah. absolutely right. If you have the inclination, you can actually move yeah. across those roles. So I'm going to call out core competencies that I look for in building a product manager team, mainly for B two B enterprise okay. focused products. Yeah. Uh, when you bring in other product aspects or you know other aspects, you know there might be other, but these are generally applicable to product managers in general. One is customer focus. Understanding customers, taking their requirements, translating them, you know, what they're asking for into requirements and prioritizing them, that's key. And being able to present to them uh, in a well-communicated manner what value you're bringing with your product is is key. Uh, another aspect which is not looked on as, as deeply is uh, uh, the EQ. As product managers, remember that we don't have Anybody that we are managing in sense the folks who are delivering to us. Yet we have a lot of dependencies. We have dependencies on the sales teams, on the field teams, but we also have dependencies on the engineering teams. And the engineering teams don't report into a product management. I've not seen that uh, in in most cases. And so, when you say EQ,
0: uh, it's uh, emotional coefficients. So yes, emotional which is intelligence.
1: In- emotional intelligence about how do you handle interpersonal relationships? How do you negotiate? How do you, do? You, are you self-aware of what your boundaries are, what your strengths are? Can you earn the respect? Yeah. I think that is key. You may be the best, highly technical product manager who can define everything. But if you can't motivate a team, if everybody hates having you on their team, you're not going to be effective at all. Yeah. You can't be isolated. You have to be the communicator, the glue between all of these things. So I think... EQ is an important aspect I look for. Yeah. And it's hard to pin down as, oh, have you done yeah, you know, AWS Cloud? <laughs> or have you, do you know Swift? You know, yeah, it's yeah. not that checkbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes out of the interaction that they've had. Yeah, it yeah. comes through the stories that you've built yeah, yeah. Uh, on when how you, how you handle tough situations. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that comes through experience. And, yeah, yeah. and that's a hard one to quantify. Technically, we talked about that a lot. Business, working, understanding the business is key. Uh, uh, one one key example is how Red Hat took open source and made it into a successful enterprise business by selling Red Hat Linux, you know. So it was not just the technology. The technology existed, yeah, but yeah. packaging it, offering it, having a go-to-market channel, you know, they really made that happen yeah. early on in open open source. So having that business acumen is important. Uh, deep industry and market expertise is key. As a communicator, you have to earn c- credibility within your team as well as outside when you talk to sales or when you talk to s- customers. Yeah. And they have to see you as a credible resource. In fact, my marketing uh, VP used to tell me, he would always put me in front of customers. And I'm like, you're marketing. Shouldn't you be talking about, yeah, you know, yeah. all-. he says, no, people trust the customers trust product managers more because we come both with a technical background and we are grounded and we are not, we're not trying to sell something. Right. So, so it is important to have that communication skills, be a good listener and problem solver, but also have deep industry and market expertise that will help you stand up with your key talking points. Um, uh, And, and uh, you have to be, I, I like, my product manages to be creative, inquisitive and innovative. You know, do they really on a day to day basis, have they found an interesting product that may not be directly in their life? Yeah, 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 Can yeah. they give, you know, are they curious about, about finding out what the user experiences for that product? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's important to have that curiosity because often we are on the front line of defining what a product is. So, a lot of things are undefined and knowing, yeah. and being curious is an important aspect. You should yeah. learn to do that. And last but not the least is a product manager has to adapt to the adapt to the situation. you brought this up, yeah, yeah. Mario, right? I mean, depending on whether it's a b two c product yeah, yeah, or b two b or depending on whether whether the engineering team is highly technical or requires you to take up some of the some of the technical acumen uh, or dealing with different customers at various product stages. Being an adaptable and being able to switch is really key for for yeah, yeah, a yeah. product manager yeah. to have.
0: So I think you brought up one very interesting point uh, of the fact that product managers are in a very ambiguous world, <clears throat> right? You're not like a developer. Nobody's told you what to do. Yeah. You're going there and you're trying to figure things out. So you are in the center of ambiguity, right? Uh, I, I just wanted to, like, recap the core competencies uh, which you spoke about. One is the customer focus. Yep. You have uh, emotional intelligence, the technical aptitude. Then you have the ability to work with your business and understanding your business. Ideally, if you're in the enterprise space, you're looking at somebody with some kind of deep industry knowledge or a kind of an industry focus. Uh, communication as a skill is really good and really important being innovative, inquisitive, and creative, and the ability to adapt to your team and, and understand what your team uh, wants. Where do you really you, fit in. Where you really fit in, yeah. right? So so those are like amazing, uh, probably very important core competencies that a product manager should have. Uh, what do you think, uh, like, if you translate this to a PMT, a product manager who's technical, what do you think uh the technical competency or what is the uh competency level from a technical standpoint you see for a product manager
1: in in terms of uh, being able to help your team technically yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> from a technical standpoint like yeah so how much technical competency do you need to have is, is an important aspect. Yeah, right? yeah. That I is... think we
0: struggled as, as TPMs. Yeah. Also, we struggled with that, right? Yeah. Uh, where we've been interviewing we, candidates. <clears throat> uh, like We have like five, six open roles and we've been interviewing like at least 100 candidates in the last uh, two, three months and we always end up with the debate of how technical do we need this pe- this candidate to be and i think it's it's very hard so i want to get your take on
1: yeah so here's here's how i think about it we're, we're very true and and uh, it's not the the laundry list of uh, skills technical skills that yes. they list on their resume yeah yeah but really can they translate the customer requirements for the customer and the target that they're going after the solution or service that they're providing into what the engineering team can understand and really express those in terms of problems. Yeah. One of the, the things that I've seen, and I've myself done that. Jumping into in, the solution. In the early, jumping <laughs> into the solution. Yes. Yes, yes, yes.
0: <laughs> One tell, of the worst things
1: I did in my, my past life was uh, try to act smart and tell my engineering lead because I looked yeah. up his code yeah. and he had not looked at that code for five years, but I said, you have done this if statement and that's why this bug has come up. Yeah, Can yeah. you go fix it? Yeah, yeah. And I did this in a public forum, which was not a good thing to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I felt good because I was a new engineer, yeah, just yeah. turned to be a program manager. I thought yeah. I I must have helped him yeah, yeah. understand what his bug is. He actually didn't <laughs> like it at all. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I let,
0: ideally, you're not, you shouldn't jump to a solution. You should, uh, what you said was just put the problem statement. Correct. Right? Just give a problem statement, translate from a technical aspect. Uh, it comes down to the product manager needs to be able to translate what the customer needs, understand the complexity yeah. and just translate the problem yeah. statement. Uh, all the while understanding what the developer is going to tell him, right, of, of the complexity of the problem he's trying to solve. But at the same time, yeah, it's a, it's a very fine line. Yeah. What are the other kind of technical... Components?
1: The other things that we need to do is prioritize based okay. on understanding the complexity and the cost yeah. of what it would take. I brought this up in an earlier question you had, which is like when a customer gives you a laundry list of, I want this, I want this, I want this. At that point, you should be able to understand, tease and unpack the assumptions. Yeah. One of the customers told me, Oh, you're developing a cloud solution. Okay. A cloud infrastructure. I just want, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I want um, chargeback.
0: Yeah,
1: and chargeback is a big thing. You know, there are companies beast of that its build own. yeah, yeah, beast of its own. Unpacking that assumption, it turns out what they just wanted to know was how much are they going to get charged. Yeah, and chargeback has its own. I understand. You know, whole yeah. set of yeah. features. So understanding those features, being able to translate that back to the customer was important for me. So then I have oh, you just want me to track how much you're using and and then tell you on a daily basis. But look, I won't be able to predict because the prediction yeah. model will depend on understanding uh, and learning yeah, yeah, yeah. how you're using the cloud. So it will take some time before I can do prediction. Yeah, yeah, just tell me if I go to the console today, how much is it going to cost me for yeah, the month? Yeah. I was yeah. like, okay, that's a simpler solution, yeah, yeah. right? So being able to translate that uh, sometimes, as I mentioned, build, building prototypes—you know, your engineering team is off and fully staffed to to build and deliver, or understaffed most of the times to deliver what they have in the sprint, and they're not going to build this prototype for you. So, having that technical skill is really and an important is to win that credibility back with the customer. So, when you present your solution to the customer, you should be able to stand up and I said. I know, Mario, you asked me for chargeback, but here's really how this compares to other chargeback solutions. And this, this really solves the problem you're trying to solve. So having that credibility uh, becomes important. So it's sufficiently technical to understand the user experience. Yeah, uh, I got, you know, I've myself been, and I've also hired other people who had no understanding of the technology we are building. And often we are in, in disruptive markets. We are yeah. building something new that nobody has worked on.
0: Yeah.
1: But it was, can this person translate those into helping deliver a solution? Yeah. Can they take their background in the past and apply uh, analogous problems and solutions to it becomes really important. So uh it, it that's that's how how technical uh, it has to be, and it depends on the product. I'm talking more from an enterprise background. You know, feel free to add your ideas if you know you you think consumer product managers have to be or TPMs have to be technical enough. And what is that technical barrier? Yeah, yeah.
0: So I I think it's it's definitely a hard please hard hard question because you're trying to assess whether somebody can get into a particular problem area, understand the problem, whether it's technical or not, and then try to solve that problem. And sometimes you you make sure that the person has some kind of an experience where he's done something similar to the past. And if he's done like something maybe 70% or 60% similar, then you take that and you say, hey, he's gone and he solved something uh, which is fairly similar. And though this is completely a different problem space, he can utilize that kind of knowledge that he brings. Just make sure that he actually has solved that problem and he knows what he's talking about. And that's why sometimes we ask uh, candidates questions on, if you worked in solving something, we go into the extreme depth, right? It's We have a one-hour conversation <clears throat> on something you worked on, but we're talking about, you're trying to push the boundaries of the candidate to try to figure out, how much he knows, right? Uh, And we just try and push and see whether he's able to talk the technical language that we expect him to know and talk about, whether he's had those conversations with developers. Like we ask, what's the most technical problem, technically difficult problem you solved or you helped to solve? And let's talk a little bit about that, maybe for even 20, 30 minutes, right? Yeah. Can you actually tell me the entire problem end to end and can we go into like details on that? Yeah. So...
1: Absolutely. That, that is very key. Whether, uh, when there are certain areas where, you know, is he or she technically enough to understand, for example, I've never worked on gaming. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure if I go to, uh, a team that's an engineering team that has built games, yeah, they won't consider me a technical at all. Yeah, yeah. And I won't be effective in driving the next gaming platform. Yeah. Uh, absolutely yeah. right. So it's it's the the word technical depends on the context. Yes, and understanding you are absolutely right. In in as we get candidates, uh, yeah. he or she should be able to translate those yeah. for the target yeah. uh, product yeah. customer as well as engineering team that they are working with.
0: Yeah, and I think that's <laughs> I think that's evolving as as I think more product managers are trying to be more technical, and the expectation is also changing. Um, it, it's kind of evolving in that space. Um, yeah. Um, so I think you spoke a little bit about uh, a B2C versus a B2B pr- product manager. Do you see a lot of difference between the B2B and the B2C product managers?
1: Um, mainly along the lines of, uh, you know, the product that they're trying to deliver. For example, um in in b2 uh, in the b2b space
0: yeah
1: the buying cycle is a lot longer yeah. and then you have different personas you have buyer user and manager right so understanding that is different whereas in the the b2c space there might be a specific target yeah, market segment you audience. know audience whether it's age group yeah, yeah, or yeah. whether it's gender or whether it's uh, it's yeah. the region um, and, and, I, and
0: when you speak about the B two B space, and you said uh, that the buying <coughs> cycle uh, is longer, so I, I worked. I don't know if you know this. I worked at Oracle Sales for three years. Oh wow! That's where I started my career. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Uh, so sometimes uh, the sales cycles. Just for other people to know, right? Sometimes these sales cycles take eight months. Yes. For you to close eight to twelve months is a very. Uh, normal sales cycle to close one customer, yep. right? That customer might bring in $8 million or $10 million yep. dollars of revenue or, or a couple of million, $3 million of revenue. But to make that full cycle, like qualify your customer, then talk to him, show him prototypes, make his management and his entire chain know about it. And to make that actual getting your <clears throat> order in is a long cycle, yes. right? So that's, that's, you know, that's very interesting yeah. that you brought that up.
1: And, and as a, you're spot on. That, that was exactly what I was trying to get yeah, at. Yeah. You articulated it much well. Uh, and as a product manager, you want to arm your one of your key stakeholders, which are the sales teams, yeah. with the right talking points that help them navigate this eight-month cycle, right? On yeah. what product. And often, uh, as compared to B2C, B2B customers buy on roadmaps, not on the product at hand. Yeah. So you got to provide a vision and a roadmap that's three years out. Yeah. Be credible and realistic and pragmatic (laughs) that you're not over promising and under delivering. Yes and yet have something that you can show today that shows that you're aligned in that direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of a a different challenge. I'm I'm, I'm not belittling that B2C doesn't have this challenge, so it's simpler. B2C has other challenges, which is a crowded market space. In B2B, you have a niche, but you want to make sure your niche is still valuable and be able to help your sales teams navigate because if they can't sell your product, and you don't know what your, you know, go to market strategy is, yeah, yeah. it's it's going to fall flat. Mm-hmm. Right. And and in all cases, it has to uh it has to make sure that you're increasing the return on investment for yeah. the customer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whether it's a B2C product or B2B product.
0: Right. When you talk know about go to market strategy, tell me a little bit. I've not I don't know what a go to market. Strategies. What is a go-to-market?
1: Strategy? A go-to-market strategy essentially means once you have a product, and that there's there's different definitions to it. The way I look at it is, how are you going to have positioning for the product? Okay. Working with marketing and sales, so it can be presented, and you have the right sales, uh, uh, the, the right things for the sales. How are you going to make sure the right channels are enabled? Whether it's a direct sales channel where you have your own sales teams, which is possible in a larger organization, or you're going through a partner channel and how do you enable the partners to do it? Uh, And finally, you know, understanding how the customer interaction and the customer journey happens. Uh, uh, Making sure you have the right metrics in place to take a funnel of customers. Usually the sales team will come with a funnel and and ultimately that narrows down. Understanding that funnel understanding the levers you have to make sure that you can maximize the return on the funnel, how you can lower the customer acquisition cost and yet deliver value to maximize your profits. I think those are the things that make sure you 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 understand. In, in, in some larger companies that I worked, I was not even worried about GTM. Because right? Somebody, else, taking somebody else was taking care of it. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't even state what price I should put on my product yeah. because I was developing like the print button on uh, something, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 And there was another team which was doing all the sales analysis, all the, mo- whereas in a smaller company, when I you was in do- a startup, I was doing all of it. Yeah, yeah. I was making, understanding the funnel, what were the key drivers, the win loss, uh, what kind of, uh, you know, battle cards I should have ready at every yeah. stage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that becomes more prevalent in B2 B, I'm sure in B2C, you also under, need to understand, are you going to sell online or are you yeah, going yeah. to sell, is it a sell through a retail? Or, yeah, is is it, it a subscription model? Is it a
0: partner model? model or is it a subscription model? Is it a direct B2C and sometimes you can do a B2B? Is it like, are there any affiliates involved who are trying to promote you? Correct. There are like n number of uh, things. I think, I think it's definitely different from uh, B2C and B2B are fairly significantly different. I, I'm fairly new to the b2b space i've been doing a lot of stuff in the b2c space and i can see that they're very very different uh, uh industries almost and they, yes. they kind of require a different skill set to some degree uh so yeah that's that's interesting what are the challenges and difficulties basically for uh, product managers what are the primary things which you grapple with
1: yeah so as as we talked about you know a product manager role is kind of diverse. Diverse, yeah. As as well as a TPM role, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So the expectations are different depending on the organization, depending on the customer segment, depending on the market you're going after, and,
0: and the product, right? And the, and the product, product and the product life cycle almost. Yes. Uh, I always think <clears throat> this with the uh, TPMs and with PMs. Uh, it really comes down to the life cycle of the product. Are you building a greenfield product? Yes. Right. Or are you going in and are you trying to fix something which has been out there for 10 years? Correct. Right? It's a very different... Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. It depends. So, the
1: primary challenges that 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 vary based on... So, that's why it's kind of a long answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'll try to shorten it. It depends on the skills that you bring in and what you're passionate about, right? So, some I've, I've seen some product managers being previous developers and engineers. Yeah. And <clears throat> they bring in a whole lot of technical skills. But the other two pillars are also understanding your customer yeah. and understanding the business. So they they have a challenge in growing on their customer interaction, their EQ, and he or she may not have the business skills that are required. Whereas somebody, I've, I've also worked with product managers uh, who have come from a business background. They have MBAs, but they have not done technical. They're mm. great at doing some aspects like pricing, positioning, yeah. Communicating value, but uh, they they may struggle on the technical side side of the product, or look at that as an opportunity to to acquire that skill. Yeah,
0: yeah, right.
1: So uh, that's why I think of these as three, those three main pillars: customer facing, technical, and business. Yeah, this should be the foundation that you have, and then re- realize that based on your prior experience, whether you come from an engineering background or you come from a business background, you may have certain growth opportunities where, in, those in those areas and and build those along those, you know, customer interaction, EQ, yeah. being a leader for the team when none of the team reports to you uh, and uh, technical aspects in the field that you're working on and being seen by field, by customers as an industry expert? And then also the business aspects. Are you building something that's going to be viable for your business and viable for your customer? Uh, Build on those and those would be the challenges. And I think one of the biggest challenges that is often uh, underestimated by product managers is understanding your key stakeholders and what they need and fitting in that need. And to me, the key stakeholders are, are basically your engineering team. Without them, you can't build anything.
0: Yeah.
1: Your sales team. Yeah. Without them, you can't sell anything. So you can't keep that engine going. Yeah. And your your leadership and customers. Yeah. Who are, without whom you won't get the sponsorship for what you, your vision is. Got it. To make that as a reality. Got it. Uh, So, Understanding those three, <clears throat> understanding the gaps of where you fit in is really the biggest challenge I've seen. And being a great communicator and a visionary leader at the same time, being able to do hands-on stuff.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> One thing you just brought up uh, was that as a product manager, you don't have a team. Yeah. Right? Uh, and I see that for TPMs too. Yeah. Right? You don't, we don't have a team. The as team in that- the
1: reporting to us.
0: Uh, yeah, yes. reporting. You might have a product management team within if you are de- delivering a large product, but yeah. you don't own the engineering team, yes. right? Uh, you are <clears throat> trying to influence the engineering team to march to your drumbeat, yes, uh, to a large degree, right? TPMs and PMs. Um, that's that's a very uh, interesting aspect of this role, yeah. right? Because people need to believe. Come to work and do the thing you want them to do, right? Uh, and that's an innate skill uh, on its own, and, I, and that's why I see the PM, the product management, and the TPM roles so closely linked.
1: Yes, uh,
0: and I also see people kind of moving from the product management side to the program management side, and from the program management side back to the product management side. How do you how do you uh, view this?
1: Yeah, so you're absolutely right, Mario. The, these are very complementary roles on some aspects. They they have the same challenges, motivating yeah. people to work for realizing your idea. That's why even if I i have typically been in organizations where I've had a, a product management team, but I work more on a day-to-day basis with my engineering team, with,
0: yeah. with the
1: sales and marketing teams, right? And they didn't report into you. Um so they're really complementary roles uh product managers and program manager roles are overlapping more and more, okay. especially in the agile development, yeah, and they kind of i i look at my t p m as my uh counterpart, and we jointly have to be in it together to make sure we win yeah,
0: yeah when somebody <laughs> when people ask me about my relationship with the product managers, yeah uh, I feel it's like um it's like a marriage uh, <laughs> in some sense, right? Uh, I used to work with this product manager uh, at a B2C company. Uh, and we used to fight tooth and nail. Because he's always pushing uh, the engineering team, which I'm responsible for, to deliver more, right? His asks are always, oh, I want like a kid <coughs> in the candy shop. Pure example, right? Yeah. The product manager is like, I want this, I, I want, this, want that. I want that. That. I'll prioritize stuff for you, but I want all these things done. And I'm kind of pushing back because I don't want to burn my dev team out, Correct. right? And I also want to be very focused on the tech depth, which my team is carrying forward, so that they don't have too much on call, yeah. right? So I'm I'm a shepherd for the team. He's a customer's <clears throat> voice, and we used to fight tooth and nail. But every day we'll have lunch together. Yeah, right. We had a we still have a very good relationship. I still meet him for beer every now and then, but it's a very push and pull kind of a. You know, yeah. It's a, it's and a healthy, that healthy
1: tension is good. healthy tension,
0: yes. Right? It's not it's not a bad tension. It's yeah. a very healthy kind of interaction where he's trying to push and be the customer's voice when you try to do the right thing from an engineering standpoint. Uh and it's a very interesting dynamic. Yeah. Uh, uh so so yeah. How so how do you see the I
1: I appreciated when I had TPMs to work with because that healthy tension. I I believe in diversity bringing in ideas and yeah, yeah. innovation happening out of it. So I always had my TPM counterpart like you, Mario, who I could bounce off ideas and I can pull more and then he yeah. he or she would pull in the other direction. Uh, while uh, Scaled Agile treats some strict roles around this, which I'll describe, I'll also t- talk to you about how that tension was actually a better way to do it than a strict yeah. roles and responsibilities. In Scaled Agile uh, framework, the
0: safe f- framework, the safe framework, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <clears throat> they talk about product manager, as you brought up, being market-facing, customer-facing, delivers the roadmap, looks at the pro- program backlog, uh, kind of how do we license this product, uh, thinks about what are the objectives of the you know program increment and, and establishes acceptance criteria. Whereas program managers looked at more as somebody who's technology-facing, builds takes those, you know, program backlogs and builds into uh, a backlog of tasks yeah. that the team and does and, and yeah, then delivers on those, right? Those. And defines and priorities. There are some good aspects of it because it's a good, clean separation. And yeah, yeah. Uh, especially in areas where they're very expansive, there's lots of customers and a large product, it's good to have, you know, Deletion. help. Delineation of responsibilities, A, B, the healthy tension that you talked about, and C, uh, a way for them to collaborate together and build a more collaborative model that will actually ultimately be important for delivering that customer value, right? I mean, if if I, as the product manager, was not giving you, and I I actually like my TPMs also to interact with the customer.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah.
1: So right? they they so, feel the pain exactly. Otherwise, it becomes a waterfall model. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They yeah. see the pain, and then I just need to amplify it. Yeah. As the 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 uh, you know as as the product is being built.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, it's important for you to understand as the TPM the problem that the customer's pain point is, so that you can work with your engineering team to do it right. And at at periodic points, I think the program manager and product manager. Often collaborate on reprioritization.
0: Yeah.
1: Nobody starts with the waterfall days are gone, right? Yeah, yeah. So what I used, what I've done more effectively working with the my product manager or TPM is as a product manager, I would come out with uh, at a high level. These are kind of the key goals for the next sprint. Yeah. Let's work on an end-to-end flow of a, a demo. Yeah. Yeah. And then my program manager would take that demo, build use cases out of it, build feature lists and tasks lists. And then at midpoint of the sprint and at the end of the sprint, we would try to build that demo together Yeah. to present to the customer. And at the end, we would present it to a customer to say, this is what we built. I think having that concrete
0: <laughs> collaboration,
1: collaborative single goal yeah. actually helped, right? Yeah. Even after doing that back and forth, I need you to build these three. And you're like, no, I can only build you one which is that one okay let's get down to that one let's yeah. build an end-to-end scenario flush it out flush it out that's our agreement that's our contract
0: hi folks thanks for listening in I hope you really enjoyed that this is the end of the part two of three podcast with Dunjay. do keep listening part three has been posted thank you so much